Thank you, ladies. Book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter number 1, 1 Timothy chapter number 1. And as I have been mentioning for several services and then already mentioned this evening, we're beginning a new uh, series tonight and uh, looking forward to seeing what the Lord has for us uh, through this series of a charge to keep. I am hoping and I pray and I believe it will be true that uh, we get a greater sense of what has been entrusted to us and are reminded what has been entrusted to us in our, in our faith, in the Word of God, in the Gospel, uh, and also uh, reminded of our responsibility and our, we have a responsibility to keep uh, what has been entrusted to us. And so throughout the several weeks, we'll look at different aspects and I think it'll be a help to us and a different um, uh, different uh, topics that uh, will fall in, in this series. And so we're going to look at the book of 1 Timothy kind of through this lens of a charge to keep. And I believe it's going to be a help to us. So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter number 1. And uh, we have discussed enough different series from the Apostle Paul. Um, you think of ministry companions. We learned about Timothy in ministry companions. And we uh, learned how, uh, we were reminded how Timothy was a son in the faith the relationship that Paul had to Timothy. Uh, as we, we talk about uh, the faith that he kept, I have uh, Paul's last words, the relationship he had with, with Timothy. And we're reminded of this in 1 Timothy chapter number 1. And I'm going to read verse number 18 to begin with. And we're going to look at several verses of Scripture uh, in chapter number 1 tonight. So keep your Bible open. But let's look at 1 Timothy uh, chapter number 1, verse 18. 18, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Uh, notice the first part of verse 18. Uh, this is the theme verse. This is the foundation for the entire study. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy. We're going to look at uh, the, the, the charge, what is the charge? We're going to look at all the aspects of it. What we're going to touch on tonight and give a very general overview uh, from 1 Timothy chapter number 1. Uh, but I've simply entitled uh, the first lesson in this series, A Charge to Keep, the same name, A Charge to Keep. And so let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we pray that uh, you would allow us to learn uh, from your word. May the Spirit of God teach us, instruct us. May our hearts and minds be on you, on the Word of God. And Father, as, as I've already mentioned, may uh, we be reminded of the importance of what's been handed to us, the price that has been paid. And Father, there's, there's, a, there's a tragic uh, penalty for not keeping it. And Father, I pray that uh, we be reminded of that responsibility, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy. The word charge means that which is enjoined, committed, entrusted, or delivered to another, implying care, custody, oversight, or duty to be performed by the person entrusted. Let me read that to you again. That which is enjoined, committed, entrusted, or delivered to another. What Paul is saying is, I am committing to you. I am trusting you. Already, that word charge contains great responsibility, great importance. Or delivered to another, implying care, custody, 
oversight. I think we would look at our faith a little bit differently. We would look at the Word of God a little bit differently. If we used it in the terms of these definitions, um, custody, um, to be a good, we've been talking about in Sunday school, um, stewardship, a good manager. I have, this is, he, he is giving this in custody, oversight, or duty to be performed by the person entrusted. That word charge, this charge I commit unto thee, that is a, it's, it's only a few letters, but it's a big word. It's got a big meaning. It's got a big definition. Um, I, I'll use this 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 re, this example, and I, and and I, I hesitate to do it in the political climate that we have. Um, but each elected official that we have, they have a great responsibility. In spite of, and this is an unpopular truth, and it's one that I have to grit my teeth and. And, and, and force myself to, no matter who, is a, who, who sits in the White House or who sits as an elected official, we have a responsibility to pray for them. Uh, I, we don't have to pray for God's, God to bless their evil ways, but uh, pray for them because it is a big charge, and now it's up to them whether they keep it or not. But let me remind you, parent in the home, you have a charge in your home. You have responsibility. As we serve in different areas of the church, we have something that's been committed to us, entrusted to us. Another week, we'll take, uh, we'll probably take a week and just look at all the different times that word is used in First Timothy. Um, he mentions it here. He talks about the charge that's committed to him. We'll look at it in just a moment. And later in the book, he 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 gives direction to Timothy to charge others. And there's that pattern of he passed the charge now, now you charge others. And, and really, that's what has taken place in all of our lives. Uh, the gospel which transformed us has been entrusted to us as well. So charge that were, that which is enjoined, committed, entrusted, or delivered to another, implying care, custody, oversight, or duty to be performed by the person entrusted. So when he says in verse number 18, "...this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy," According to the prophecies which went, on, went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Uh, he is placing a great responsibility on him. And, and, and number one tonight, I'm going to get right into the outline. I want us to see the charge defined. Now, I gave a English definition, the Webster's Dictionary definition. But we're going to let the book of First Timothy, the chapter number one, define the charge. We look in verse number 11. Remember we just said in verse number 18, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy. So it's very obvious that Paul, don't miss this. I think, I think we've already got it, but I want to reemphasize it. Paul is taking something and he's get charging Timothy. Now I'm passing this responsibility to you. You see that? In verse number 11, we find the words at the end of verse number 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. What was committed to the trust of Paul? It's right there in verse number 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed, of, of the blessed God. It is the glorious gospel had been committed to his trust. I'm not going to expound on it much, but I had this thought today, worked on it a little bit uh, as, I was, I was, as I was reworking this outline this afternoon. Uh, the apostle Paul had a great ministry. Can we all agree on that? The Apostle Paul never once defend his, defended his ministry. 
You hear that a lot today. I've got to do what's best for my ministry. The Apostle Paul never did what's best for his ministry. He did what was best for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to train those and send them out of here for the ministry with the mindset if I've got to do what's best for my ministry. That's not scriptural. It's humanistic, to be honest. Paul never defended his ministry. Otherwise, he'd have kept himself out of jail. Otherwise, he would have not ended up getting the beatings and all the things that he endured if he had been thinking about his ministry. No, it was all about the gospel. And that was the charge that was defined, that as the charge is defined, he, that's what was committed to him. He was, the, the, the glorious gospel, Paul says, was committed to my trust in verse number 11. Then in verse number 18, he says, Timothy, now this charge I commit to thy trust. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, you can jot down the reference. That's where Paul writes to Timothy and says, it's important for a faithful man to have a faithful man so truth can be passed. This is what he is saying in verses number 11 and verse 18. This, the gospel was given charge to me. So when was it given charge to him? When he got saved. When he was placed into the ministry. Do you realize how many of you are saved tonight? Okay, if you're saved tonight, do you realize you have a charge that was committed to you? Well, Pastor, I've never been called to preach. Paul's not talking about being called to preach. The gospel was entrusted to him. So therefore, he is, is taking this charge now, uh, and he is passing it on to it's the gospel of the blessed God was committed to his trust. Now, uh, this is kind of an overview of some things we're going to see, but uh, we, we mentioned uh, underneath number one, the charge to find, you have the faith preserved, which is through the word of God. How, what is that faith? That faith, when I use the word faith in this context, is, I'm referring to the gospel. I'm referring to the doctrines of Scripture, uh, that glorious gospel which we are to protect. And it is the gospel, and that's why... How we, what, how we treat the Word is important because that's where the gospel is preserved. You and I wouldn't know about the gospel if it wasn't preserved in the Word of God. So an attack on the Word of God or a negligence with the Word of God is really not keeping the charge of the gospel. Are you following me? So that which has preserved it that is the charge. This is where we find the gospel. Those who are wrong on, about salvation, uh, they're, they're wrong on this. This is where we get uh, our, our, our definition of the gospel. This is where we find out about what Christ did for us. You have the faith preserved. We also have the faith propagated, and that's through the church. Much of 1 Timothy, if you're familiar with this epistle, talks about... Um, I outlined today a, another chapter, and I just entitled it, Church Behavior. Some things that you're supposed to do in church and things you're not supposed to do in church. Um, and you're not supposed to eat in here. That's not in there, there but, you know, uh, you know you, things just church behavior. Um, the faith propagated. It's through the church. What is the, what is the purpose of the church? It's to reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost with the gospel. It's to... It's to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to 
let this world know that Jesus died and paid their sin debt. The purpose is not to, to, for it to be a social club. The purpose is not for it just to be a place where we, we have to go and feel good about ourselves. Now, I'm glad you can find comfort in the house of God. I, I'm glad you can find comfort amongst the people of God. But the purpose of the church is to win the world with the gospel. Uh, that's the whole purpose. So in order to protect the faith, we must protect the place that the faith is propagated. That's why as a pastor, as, a, as the pastor of this church, as a preacher of the gospel, I will protect this pulpit. What is preached from behind this pulpit will come from this book. Uh, because this is where the faith is propagated through the church. If a church is corrupted, then the faith is watered down and not preserved. If a church changes its ways, and much of what we're going to see in this study, he says, take that charge. Um, the church is that place where it has been propagated. Then the faith is empowered. It's empowered by the Spirit. In chapter number 4, now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Um, we should not grieve the Spirit. We should not uh, hinder the Spirit. And false doctrine does that. Carnality uh, limits the Spirit. We're going to see in this study what the Spirit says um, uh, concerning some uh, the falling away as it gets closer to Christ's return. And so if I am going to keep the charge, then I must have the right perspective of the Spirit of God. I must have the right relationship with the Spirit of God. I must be empowered by the Spirit of God. So the faith, as we see, in, that has been given the charge to Paul, as we see is the glorious gospel of the blessed God in verse number 11. So the faith is preserved in what? It's preserved in the Word. And the, the faith wouldn't be very powerful if God wasn't capable of preserving it in His Word. Uh, so this is where the faith is preserved. The church is the vehicle where the faith is propagated. And this, it's by the Spirit that the faith is empowered. Acts 1-8, we are told where we're, what we're supposed to do with the gospel. Reach the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the, of the world. Everywhere. But it says, after you have the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of missions programs that are not reaching the world. The reason is because they're not empowered by the Spirit of God. You can have the best plan and strategy, and you can have the brightest minds as far as problem solving, put together a plan. We, we need to, this happens, and I'll touch on this during this study. Well, we need to, if we, if we would join with this group, and we would join with this group, we will do that, or, or maybe I'm not going to stand on some issues so that I can get the gospel out further. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying you keep the charge. It is more important to have the Spirit involved and have the blessings of the Spirit. The faith is empowered by the Spirit. So we've defined the charge as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the, faith preserved, the faith preserved is in the Word of God. The faith propagated is through the church. The faith empowered is by the Spirit. Number two, I want us to see the charge entrusted. Look at me at verse number one of chapter number one. 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Now, Paul is, we've already seen in verse number 11, what was committed to his trust, the glorious gospel of the blessed God. When Paul writes to Timothy, he reminds him that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. So the charge is entrusted, first of all, from above. Uh, the plan of salvation, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, has come from above. A group of religious men did not get together and design a way to heaven. Uh, this is the plan of salvation as God has directed it. There is but one way to satisfy the Father, and that's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this, I bring this out because this reinforces the importance that we have in keeping the charge. Um, I'm not Timothy, obviously. I didn't know Paul, but Paul hands that down. Paul was a missionary of the Gentiles. Paul, it was through the ministry of Paul that uh, the, the, the ministry, got the gospel got to Europe and from Europe uh, got to where we are. And so we are indebted to the, the Apostle Paul. I can tell you of people who were instrumental in my life in handing or charging me with the keeping of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's part of what I do now is I look to that next generation and say, keep the charge that's been committed to me. Well, why is it that important? And this may help some of you not take such a flippant attitude towards the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because it was, it was entrusted from above. It came from God. Well, does it matter if we do it or not? Oh, I don't know. Maybe if it came from heaven, then it's important. It's been entrusted from above. The gospel is a message that has come from God himself. It has been entrusted to us from above. You cannot put a greater emphasis on the gospel. You cannot put a greater emphasis on the faith. That's why the Bible speaks, and we're going to touch on it tonight, but spend a lot more detail on it. I've touched on it over the last few weeks, a few weeks ago, what the Bible says about those who give up the faith it is because they are not keeping the what has been trusted from heaven. We see it's from above. We see it's also to another. Look at verse number 2. Unto Timothy. He's writing, unto Timothy, my son in the faith. In verse number 18, I've already, or verse number 11, I've already pointed this out, which was committed to Paul. Now, where did Paul get it from? He got it from heaven. He got it as an apostle meeting Christ on that Damascus road, his conversion and his call as an apostle, he had the glorious gospel handed to him by Jesus Christ. He's saying that was entrusted to me. It was a charge that was committed to him. That's big stuff. That's a big deal. Now he writes, and we've already seen it, it's our text verse for tonight, verse 18. This charge I commit unto thee, Timothy. So it started from above, from the Lord Jesus Christ, committed to Paul. And then Paul is now committing or charging Timothy. It is the same as if Jesus had entrusted it to Timothy himself. 
This is how we need to look. Now, how do you think Timothy approached it? I know that Timothy took that seriously. Because Timothy, in his mind, Paul, my father in the faith, if you will, my mentor, if you will, the man who I've been training under, he got this from Jesus. But it was the same as if Jesus had handed it to Timothy himself. Now, let's add all these generations since the Apostle Paul and comes down to you and I. This is, this is why it's a serious thing to be, have it committed to you and you lay it down because it's as if it came from Jesus himself. Because let me help you, it did come from Jesus. And he chose to pass it to one man, to pass it to another, and to pass it to another. I don't have the liberty, I don't have the ability to take what God has designed and change it to how I like it. Because it was committed by the Lord Jesus Christ and it was passed down and passed down and passed down and passed down. And I've been given the charge to keep it and then pass it to the next. It, the charge was entrusted from above. It was trusted to another. Well, you read of those, and Paul certainly was martyred for the faith, and those that Scripture mentions of it don't, doesn't mention their names. And you look throughout history, all those who were martyred for their belief in the faith passed down from, from century to century. It is a, an important thing to realize that it has been entrusted. And here we are in 2021. It's been entrusted to the Emmanuel Baptist Church. It's been entrusted to you. It's been entrusted to me. Well, is it that really big of a deal? Oh, yeah, it's the faith. It has come from above. It has been entrusted to another. Uh, it was as if Jesus had given it to Timothy himself. Uh, it would help us if we would think of that. Does it really matter where I go to church? Oh, I think so. I think so. Does, does, it, does it really matter what Bible? Oh, I think so. Absolutely, I think so. Does it really matter, Pastor, if we're a bad person? Oh, I think so. Does it really matter if we're a soul? When, oh, I, I, I don't, and I don't think so. I know so. Why? Because it has been committed from above, from one to another, to another, to another, to another, to another. And the person that won you to Christ, somebody won them, influenced them, and here we are today. It's our responsibility to pass that off. I'm to guard it and keep it, but I'm to pass that charge on to somebody else. We see it, and he's gonna, uh, he alludes to it in verse number 18, from the, according to the prophecies which went on, I believe that's speaking of when he was ordained for the ministry. Much as some have said about that, and that's why we set apart some for the ministry, and then they go against, or they change. They have not kept the charge. They have to realize the importance. It's as if it came from Jesus himself because it did. And just because it passed through a lot of men since this time 
doesn't diminish what we've been charged with. That's why as a soul winner, you need to be very, very careful with the gospel. You, you need to be very, and I think the Spirit of God can take a gospel track, can work in somebody's heart, and they can, they can, they can hear it and understand it and trust Christ as their Savior. But be very careful. That's why before you've got to be thinking about soul winning before you get in the car to come to soul winning. It'll stay fresh. And we're a soul winning church, and I have to remind myself of this from the time I was little, I knew how to win a soul to Christ. All through my teenage years, I know how to win a soul to Christ. It's, it's, if we're not careful, it just becomes what we say and what we do, and we forget what it is. We forget where it came from. And Paul was entrusted from above and entrusted to another. Number three, we see the charge defended. We look at our text verse again tonight. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Now, let me remind all of us that Paul did not say thou mightest talk a good dialogue. Or Paul did not say get along with everybody. Paul did not say you better be careful and guard your ministry. Paul didn't say that. He said war, good warfare. Well, feelings get hurt in warfare, you think? Because of what we're, this mentality we sometimes go, why can't we just get along? Are we really that different? Well, if what I can't have came from, from Jesus and what somebody else has didn't, we're pretty different. And Paul charges him, this is not a suggestion. The weight of the definition of charge needs to weigh on us. It's committed care, custody, oversight, a duty to be performed by the person entrusted. He's to defend it and war a good warfare. How is he going to do that? With that, how he has been trained. The things that we have already mentioned by the Spirit of God. He is going to, he has the gifts that God has given him. He's going to war a good warfare. He's going to be faithful. Notice what else it says. The charge I commend to thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Look at verse 19. Holding faith and a good conscience. He's going to have war a good warfare regarding the faith. I'm to try and get along with all men. But when it comes to regarding the faith, it's the, it's the faith or it's a fraud. I'm to guard it. I'm to realize the importance of it. Why is, why is the gospel of the blessed God so important? Because, and you know this, because we're dealing with either hell or heaven as an eternity. There's high stakes. And if you add anything to faith in Christ, it's not salvation. It's not. 
Well, they, they believe, and sometimes we use this in defense of not warring a good warfare. Well, they, they, they believe in the gospel. What's the big deal if their music is a little bit different? You mean carnal? You use the word different, but don't you mean worldly? Don't you mean grieving the spirit which empowers the gospel? You can go to, and I taught you all on this, you can go to an emerging church and let them get their band going and then them give the gospel, and I'm telling you, it's, it, it's choked. The word of God is choked. Because it's the spirit that empowers it. Well, they, they believe in salvation by faith, but they just, they have all these different beliefs on the versions of the Bible. What really is, okay, are we talking about the faith where the word which is preserved in? See, the devil will attack the message today, and he'll add to salvation now. He's also attacking that which preserves it, that which propagates it, and that which empowers it. So he'll water something down now, and then he'll attack these very things so that a generation from now, there's a generation that doesn't have a word that preserves it, doesn't have the church that propagates it, and has quenched the spirit that empowers it. It's been handed us, we must war a good warfare regarding the faith. Um, as a preacher of the gospel, I do my best. I can get along with anybody. But when it comes to the faith that's been entrusted, I've been, it's been, the charge has been given to me to war good warfare. Same as with this church. It, because heaven and hell, heaven or hell hangs in the balance. That's why I, ha I have some, there, there are some, I praise the Lord for those who, I, I did college chapel today, and they, I was telling them a story from back when I was in school, and I mentioned that, you know, I left college in 1996, and I made the mistake of asking if any of them were alive, and they weren't. Um, but I, I'm saying all that to say I thank God for many that I can name who I went to college with are still faithfully serving the Lord. But I have many who went, I went to college with, and they've given up the faith. I, if I saw them, I would be polite as far as, how are you doing? I can't sit down with them. I'm not going to a reunion with them. Because I have something that has been committed to me. It's regarding the faith. It also says in verse number 19, holding faith in a good conscience. You can pretend for so long. You can pretend, but what you really are concerning the faith is coming out. That's why you got to be very, very careful, and sometimes you just got to trust your pastor when I say, don't read this person's books. But he wrote this one book. Yeah, he wrote that one book. But he's also written some other things. Because eventually what you are is going to show when it comes to the faith. It is going to be revealed. And he's saying war, a good warfare, and have, you can have a good conscience about it. We see the charge defendant. I've got to hasten because the last one will take a few minutes. We see number four, the charge betrayed. Verse number 
19 and 20. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander. Let the gravity of the words that are written there that I'm about to read, we're about to read together, weigh on you. Whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Paul was not telling Timothy to go to the non-denominational fellowship. Matter of fact, Hymenaeus and Alexander were once part of them. Alexander's mentioned in 2 Timothy 2.14, Alexander did me much evil. Have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, I did not write the Bible. You know that, right? Your grandmother didn't write the Bible either. You know that, right? The Apostle Paul, you've heard of him, is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to his son of the faith, Timothy. The Apostle Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, He was not in the flesh when he wrote this. He was not full of rage and anger and bitterness. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan. They may learn not to blaspheme. Notice that word, First of all, he names them by name. He just didn't name them in a, in a sermon. He, he, they're named in the word that is settled forever in heaven. All these hundreds of years later, they're still pointed out. Notice that word blaspheme. There's certain words in the, in the Bible that every time you read them or see them, they ought to grab your attention. Blaspheme and blasphemers is one of those words. It's interesting what the book of Revelation says about blasphemers. Another study for you sometime. But blaspheme and blasphemer is put, it is put on the level of not keeping the charge. You either keep the gospel, you either keep the faith, or you don't. It's not, there's not a middle ground. In these two individuals that are being used as an example, they are blasphemers, they are apostates. They had the faith and they gave it up. Not, and this is what we have to, here, here's, a, here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's a distinct difference that I'll mention before I, before I, before I move on. A false teacher... A, a, a teacher, an antichrist, not the antichrist, but an antichrist, is someone who teaches a, a doctrine, <clears throat> a doctrine of devils, teaches another way of salvation. Joel Osteen is a is a false teacher. He always has been. 
An apostate is someone who once had the faith and gave it up. Now, a false teacher is an enemy of the faith. They're an enemy of the cross. But an apostate was once a partaker of the faith who has given it up. Scripture speaks very specifically and harshly on the apostate, in this situation referred to as the blasphemer. If you look at the definition of blasphemer, blasphemer, there is no good connotation about it. A short summation is a speaking against the deity of God. So why would he say somebody who was, put it in our context, used to go soul winning with him, maybe sat in Sunday school class with him, maybe grew up in a Christian school, maybe went to the Bible college, maybe once pastored a church or once worked in, in, in ministry, why would they be called a blasphemer? Because when you give up the faith, what you are saying is, what God has handed down is not true. For somebody to once have the faith preserve the Word of God and then say, I don't know if that's really the Bible, is to say, God, what you have handed down is not right. That's blasphemy. That's why I, I, I'm not going to debate blasphemers. I'm not going to run with blasphemers, those that had the truth and gave it up, those that used to believe in salvation by grace, salvation by faith alone, and now uh, they want to add something to it. According to Scripture, they're a blasphemer. They're saying Jesus and His shed blood on Calvary is not enough to save men. They once believed it. They gave that up. They're apostates. Notice the word shipwreck. Some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. A shipwreck is ruined. That's why, and I preached it a few weeks ago, and it's a good reminder tonight, there's some things you ought to stay away from that will shake your faith because the end is not good. A prodigal always has a chance to come home. You don't find, matter of fact, you find Paul in other, in other letters telling the church what they ought to do with those who have fallen. He's very specific about what the scriptural, the right thing to do is with the fallen. But in this case, he says, I've delivered these guys to Satan himself. There's a difference. Why? Because there was a charge that was given from Jesus that was entrusted to them that they gave up. And he's saying, he's saying, Timothy, don't do that. It's been committed to you. It was committed to me. It's committed to you. We see the charge betrayed. Shipwreck, a shipwreck is ruined. Once there's a shipwreck, they don't get that and put it back together. It's ruined. It is useless. The only thing good a shipwreck is for is when, you, when, you, when another boat goes by, they'll look at it and say, Stay away from those rocks. For whatever reason, they didn't heed a warning. 
don't, we don't want to be like that. That's the only example. Now, again, to, to clarify once again, this is not somebody who has been overtaken in a fault. And we, we ought to avoid, and we'll get to it. He, he says there's, there's things, Timothy, that you ought to flee from. So we'll get to the worldly, the carnal, the sin, the flesh, all those things that, that we all deal with. But when it comes to the faith, they're shipwrecked, they're ruined, they're without use. And then he says these very strong words, whom I have delivered unto Satan. So Pastor, is he saying that he took their salvation away? No, that's not what he's saying. But what he is saying, he's saying, they have been, I have put them out of our fellowship. Satan is the God of this world, and they've been given to him. This is a good reminder as it goes to the church and it goes to what we've been entrusted with. Uh, somebody who gives up the faith, Paul said, I've given them to this world. I've given them to the God of this world. I've delivered them unto Satan. That ought to be a very strong warning to you and I. They, were, they put them out of fellowship. They, remember, they once had the truth, and they gave it up. We see the charge betrayed. Okay? Let, me, let me tie everything up. This, this, this outline is a good, good overview for the series that we're getting into. Charge that which is enjoined, committed, entrusted, or delivered to another, implying care, custody, oversight, or duty to be performed by the person entrusted. Paul was entrusted with the faith by Jesus himself. He turned to Timothy and said, I'm committing it to you what has been committed to me. That's a big responsibility. He says you have a charge to keep. With the weight and the gravity of what we've described tonight, how seriously should Timothy have taken that? About as seriously as he did, he took it very seriously. I'm afraid many times as Christians, we don't take it as seriously as we should. Especially in this day we live in, this day of compromise. If you have a preacher who says, I'm not budging, I'm holding the faith. I'm not changing. This isn't a preference to me. It is a conviction. This is a hill I'm ready to die on. It's sad that in Christian circles, people look at him and say, what is his problem? When really, when a Christian is not that way, what is their problem? Because it came from Jesus Christ. That's why this, this ought to... Help us, and this ought to excite us, and this ought to remind us that when we witness to somebody else, we are just standing in God's stead telling that person what God wants to tell them. It's His, it's his gospel. That's what we say. We're going to go tell the good news of the gospel. That's why when Jesus ascended to heaven, He gave that commission, that mandate to the church. Go preach the gospel. They left having their ears 
heard Jesus say. Are you with me? You ever think back to something said, somebody said, and you can almost hear their voice? Or maybe you read an old letter or something, you can hear the voice? Think about those, those, those apostles as Jesus commissioned them. Probably could replay his voice. And they could remember when Jesus told them, go preach the gospel. Go tell this world. Well, you and I have not heard the audible voice of Christ, but we have the command. We have the gospel. So when we have an opportunity to present the gospel, we ought to take it with that seriousness. This is a charge that's been committed to me. And I'm to deliver it, and I'm to give the glorious gospel. So next time you have an opportunity to witness somebody, realize that you're just a mouthpiece. That God entrusts us. He uses us. He's the, we're the mouthpiece to tell the gospel. Now, it's been committed to us. What are, we, what, what, are we doing? what are we doing with it? What are you doing with what's been committed to you? As long as, Pastor, as long as everything goes well, I'm going to keep it. Oh, we ought to keep it no matter what. What's getting more and more unpopular, that, that should never come into play of whether or not. I wonder what they'll say about me on social media if I... I'm sure Paul would have been very concerned about that. Well, the preacher's fellowship, they're not going to really, you know, I'm sure he was really concerned about that. My family, you know, Aunt Susie, what does she, I, I don't think Paul would say, don't be, you've been, it's, it's a commitment. It's been handed. Why, why, there's probably many reasons, but why do we get upset at these politicians today? Because they've been handed something very valuable, the heritage of our country. With July 4th is coming up, the signing of that Declaration of Independence. Those the forefathers, those forefathers, they were signing their own death warrant, their own arrest warrant by signing that document. The go be a little history lesson tonight. The Battle of Bunker Hill, the events leading up to that was because they were looking to arrest John Hancock, Patrick Henry, Samuel Adams, those troublemakers, and the blood that was shed to protect that cause. Generation to generation, blood has been shed so that we might keep that cause. I don't know about you, but I get upset when there's elected officials who that means nothing to them. Should it not be, mean even more to us? The gospel that's been entrusted and it's been handed and it's been handed and it's been handed. I hope every one of us get the mindset, it doesn't matter what anybody else does, I'm never letting go. I'm never compromising the charge that's been committed to me. Uh, it's going to be a fun series. I'm looking forward to it. A charge to keep. So when we think about this week and you share the gospel with somebody, boy, Jesus himself gave this. And now it's come to me and it's my responsibility. It's my turn to share it. It's my turn to keep the commitment. 
my turn to fulfill the charge that is laid to me. Father, help us.